This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Welcome, everybody, to Arrowhead Addict with Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor. I am Sterling Holmes. Matt Connor is over there. We're about to make some magic like we are Charlie Wilson talking all things Chiefs. I'm getting very excited for this. We also have so many Matts in Arrowhead Addict that if I refer to him as Connor or Matty C, it's like a fifth grade class with all these boys' names of Matt. But Matt Connor, how are you doing today? I'm I'm good. I'm good. And and actually you just reminded me it seems like everyone who had sex between certain years of like Gen X all decided to go with Matthew as the name of their byproduct of that <laughs> intimacy. And so yeah, either that or like Joshua. There's like a million Joshuas and then a million and one mats. And in Chiefs Kingdom, there's like so many mats that I'm okay with going by Connor. There's like three Sterlings. We don't have many of us. We're a rare breed over here. Have you ever met another Sterling? Fun fact, yes. And he was actually in my fraternity in college. Not only that, he grew up in my dad's hometown. You want to talk about a weird... I don't even know if it's a coincidence. We should do some research. This would make a very good book. I feel like there has to be some backstory that I have no (laughs) idea on. Is there like Was there like a planned set of Sterling pregnancies? Yeah, like I, I don't know. If you're from Independence, Missouri, you had to have there had to be like a certain number of like, okay, one per every hundred thousand has to be named Sterling. I, I didn't come up with the rules. I, I just we this is what they are. But again You just live by them. <laughs> this is what we do. And again, if you haven't already noticed, we're gonna be very weird, okay? This is different. This is not your typical Chiefs podcast. We will get into a lot of Chiefs talk, but we'll probably talk a lot of eighties hair metal thrown in, maybe some books. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. Support for the Arrowhead Addict podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. That's right, everybody. We finally got a sponsor for the Arrowhead Addict podcast, and it's a company that sells razors and cream for your balls. Hey, 
you got to take what you can get, right? Now, I'm just kidding. Manscaped is actually awesome. I've subscribed to them for a couple of years. There's two things I have. One is the Lawnmower 3.0. That's their razor. It's got a ceramic blade and skin safe technology. I don't know what that means, but I know I don't cut myself when I'm grooming down there, which I really appreciate. And I also, every month I get sent to me their crop preserver, which is just basically an anti-shaving deodorant and moisturizer for your man parts. It's great. You smell great. And it keeps you dry down there throughout the course of the day. I love their products. I would have recommended them to you if they weren't sponsoring this show. So I'm definitely going to do it now. And I got a promo code for you. It's fansided20. You put that in at checkout, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Again, that's fansided20. Not only will you get a great product, you'll support the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, which we appreciate. All right, let's get back to it. To turn it over to Chiefs, first thing that I think is on everyone's mind after the Super Bowl is the offensive line. What an abysmal showing it was pathetic. We'll, we'll just Horrible. go ahead and say it. Yeah, we'll go ahead and say it, Matty C. We'll go ahead and yeah. say it. That was brutal. That was brutal. So where do the Chiefs go from here? You know, you know. Here's uh, let me say this about the offensive line, first of all, because I think, like, you know, the, the last impression is the lasting impression. And I hate that because really the story of this offensive line for the most of the season, like 90 something percent of the season was overcoming the obstacles in their way. I mean, I was like, I remember tweeting something like Clark hunt should send his private jet to Andy Heck's house. Who's the offensive coach, the offensive line coach and let him go anywhere. He wants this off season because you know, they've done, they like, they worked their magic all year long with all the injuries and the opt outs. And I mean, it just, it was just, you know, it was like a pileup on an interstate, and yet the Chiefs were still winning. And then the lasting impression we're left with is like, oh, the O line's horrible, which they were that game. It was not good. But gosh, I hate to like even throw punches at guys like Mike Rimmers or, or any, you know, Nick Allegretti. I mean, those were guys who were actually like stepping up and making it work when, man, it all should have fallen apart against other quality competition other than the Bucks. Yeah, like Mike Rimmers made me look like a complete idiot. I'm not going to lie because I was hyping him up all all week long on ESPN Kansas City, Sports Radio 810. I had a tweet and of course one of my most popular tweets is about Mike Rimmers doing a phenomenal job and how he's going to do a great job in the Super Bowl and of course he becomes a turnstile and I'm sitting here like, sure. Thank you. I'm a dumbass. I know nothing about football. No, but this offensive line was pretty good all season long. Andy Heck was great. You know, th- these aren't some high draft picks they're working with. These aren't outside of Eric Fisher, which was 1 1, which we all know about that. You're going to have a lot of guys who were cut from the Browns and not cut from the Browns when they were good, which is this past <laughs> yeah. year, cut from the Browns when they were, you know, a dumpster fire. So, what they've done with this offensive line has been extremely impressive. Obviously, the the loss of Mitchell Schwartz is huge, and we'll be on the lookout for his statement in the upcoming days. I know he's redoing his kitchen, so that's good. So we'll at least get Mitch in the kitch. We got that Mitch in the kitch. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and then Eric Fisher, he'll probably be back what halfway through next year if he's even back because what twelve million if they cut him is that what saves? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Eric and the barracks. Yeah, that should be his. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm on the name thing. Sterling and the, what goes with that? Uh, if we're curling, you know, but there it is. If Wait, it's, it's, side cold note. Outside. it's cold outside. Side it's cold. note. 
it's it's winter. It's cold outside. Side note for you. This is going to be the way we roll, by the way. I just think we're going to be endless anecdotes. I went curling not that long ago for the first time. We got How like this it? Groupon. We went with our best friends, my wife and I. I didn't know what to wear. No one told me what to wear. <laughs> so I'm just like wearing a, like everyone else is in like this athleisure sort of thing. And I'm in these like kind of sort of tight black pants, like jeans, <laughs> like like denim jeans. Sure. Yeah. And, and a flannel. So the whole time I'm like real uncomfortable, I keep having to pull my pants up because they're kind of slipping down because you have to like get down and like finesse this giant block and you're on the ice. You know, the whole thing's just awkward. I'm awkward anyway. So right before the very end, the guy's like, hey, who else wants to go? We've got a little bit of free time here. I'm like, hey, I'll try curling again or whatever it's called, you know. So I get down and I just hear it. It just like, like my pants rip from the very front (laughs) button all the way through to the back. And then I like, I shove that like curling thing, you know, whatever it is. And then I like stand up and like, you could just totally see my boxers. Like it was just like, it it was look like I was wearing like assless chaps or something like some Western. Anyway, it was, it was bad news. That's my curling, Sterling curling. That's my story. Anyway, that's. Yeah. You, you looked like you were a member of Pearl Jam. And then all of a sudden the next thing you know, <laughs> You're just, you're free balling it. You, you go Tom Petty with it. I get it. Yeah. I, I went from grunge to what my mom thinks of grunge. Yeah. Real quick. yeah it, was, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Anyway, we were talking Chiefs line and then, yeah, and then I got caught up in Mitch in the Kitchen. We went from Chiefs line to Mitch in the Kitchen to you ripping your pants curling. This is normal as, as one go. does, as one does. Uh, right. but, but with this offensive line, we have so many question marks. I think the biggest one is how much faith do you have in Lucas Niang? Chase Young said he was the best lineman he faced in college, which is obviously a huge feather in the cap for Lucas Niang. But is he going to be your future left tackle? Is the faith in Lucas enough to say, all right, let's cut Eric Fisher or let's not bring back Mitchell Swartz? I don't know if that is. And when you're drafting at 31, typically those top-end guys like Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, those guys are already off the board, Mekhi Becton. What's the best way for the Chiefs to address this left tackle or right tackle issue? Yeah, you know, if you if you look at mock drafts right now, they've got some very talented offensive tackles sliding all the way down to the Chiefs. But I remember last year the 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 offensive line play is so poor, just average to below average across the board in the NFL that the run on tackles that happened last year, even those with supposed major question marks. Um, and I'm even looking at like Austin Jackson, who I think went to like the dolphins at 17 or 18, something like that. And he was like the seventh or eighth one taken, right? Like you're, you're talking about a run on guys who could, could potentially they look the part because there's such a need there. I don't know that everyone got what they needed last year, all these guys that you're seeing, like Jalen Mayfield, Samuel Cosme, some others, who may go, you know, in mock drafts where the Chiefs are at. Like, I don't know why we think that one year later teams aren't going to be trying to do the same thing again up at the top of the draft. I think that Brett Feach is going to have to make a move up if he wants that tackle, like an Alex Leatherwood etc. Some of the other guys that we're seeing, if he wants an interior guy, I think they can stay where they're at, but man, it would really surprise me if 
like, you know, when Brett Veach wants something, he goes to get it. And if he wants a tackle just based upon the behavior in recent drafts, I'm going to be real surprised if he doesn't have to reach up and, and get one. What are you thinking there? Yeah. So my initial gut reaction last year was if Cesar Ruiz would have fallen to Kansas city at 32, I think they would have got him. But of course he was picked up by the saints. And then we all know about Clyde and how much that pisses me off. Uh, But going, going forward, I'm with you as far as trading up. I would not be opposed if Kansas city went after the Ravens tackle Orlando Brown. And the reason why is if you have someone to protect Patrick, which is your number one or should be your number one goal for the next 15 plus years. I don't care if you spend draft picks. I don't care if you spend money. That's what you should be doing. We've seen Kansas City and Mahomes carry a historically bad defense to one play of a Super Bowl. As long as he's protected, as long as he has weapons, this team will be fine. So for me, go ahead, give up your first rounder because you're not drafting anyone at 31 who's going to be anywhere near Orlando Brown in my mind. You know, pay him those Boku bucks. He's probably not going to get quite Laramie Tunsil money, but maybe around there. Just to me, that would make the most sense. I would feel the most comfortable with that. I get it. You're getting rid of someone on a rookie deal. Maybe uh, that, that fifth round or the fifth year comes into comes into play and comes in handy, but. I trust the, I, I trust what you know more so than potential, but that's just mm-hmm. where I come in. I, I, I like it. I like it. I, I got to say the Ravens, I don't get it at that point. Like, like they have their own offensive line issues. Trading Brown weakens a line that's already weaker. The guy is the son of a Ravens legend was happy to be picked by the Ravens wants to stay with the Ravens and make sure like he, you know, he's extending this family legacy. It's a little telling to me. I mean, you know, I don't know that there's anything there, but why would you trade a guy like that who really fits the franchise story so well? um, Unless there's, you know, an issue. I know they tied up Ronnie Stanley. I I know that's an issue. He does want to play the left side. I think he wants to play the left side because he wants left side money. I get it. Um, you know, so maybe the Chiefs can luck out there, but it makes no sense to me why the Ravens would trade him and not try to work something out there. It's such a great story. I don't think that they would trade him to the Chiefs. Um, you know, like that just seems like the worst possible <laughs> destination if you're Baltimore. Like, yeah. yeah, here's a left tackle for you for the next five, ten years. Throw in Dorian so- O'Daniel and call it a day. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it, it makes so little sense to me. But in terms of an answer, like what you were talking about, I. I totally agree. I mean, if if he's available and the Chiefs could pay that, you you got to at least check it out. Yeah, my point is any solid tackle who's established is someone I would target if I was Kansas City because I don't know if I trust someone at 31 if you don't trade up to develop and protect Patrick year one. I mean, some of those even good tackles who went early, I think Andrew Thomas had his struggles. I think Tristan Worf's I think he went 13th, if I'm not mistaken, to Tampa Bay. He was probably about the best of the bunch. But, again, that's just where I'm at. I'm all for protecting Patrick. Do whatever you have to do. Make sure you bubble wrap him like the kid. And what's it? Um, No, what's that Christmas movie? Is it just a Christmas story when he's all bubble wrapped and, you you know, his mom bubble wraps him and he can't walk outside? (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't remember that scene in A Christmas Story, but I could be wrong. It's well, that's that's what I want for Patrick. I want to protect that dude. <laughs> I guess comes- that's better than wanting someone to lick a, 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 a pole, like a frozen pole or something. Yeah, don't let him get around frozen poles. I don't want anyone licking it. I don't. I don't care that it's his tongue and it has no effect on his on his football game. <laughs> Bubble wrap him. Bubble wrap Patrick TM. Yeah, trademark. Well, trade trademark. You know, we need a T-shirt with a bubble wraps Mahomes. That would sell like crazy. I still think. I still think the one that you said, a chip on their shoulder, but make it Here barbecue it flavored. I think. <laughs> I think you're telling me Andy Reid with that thick old mustache maybe has a burger in one hand and he has some barbecue <laughs> chips and just one is sitting on his on his shoulder. You're telling me we can't sell this for like 20 bucks a pop? Something's telling me that we're going to hear about the Andy Reid chip on the shoulder t-shirt every episode for the next six months. Well, sorry. Until it happens, I'm going to keep doing this because <laughs> I think this needs to happen. If any of you are t-shirt vendors who are remotely listening to this in the coming days, just know that you can have a good best friend in, in Sterling if you would if you would uh, trademark help him trademark and, and distribute these shirts. You give me tickets to a Skid Row concert and we'll call it even. We'll call it good. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I've like so Sterling is a host on ESPN Kansas City and uh, and the Home Stretch, which is his uh, Twitter handle, Home Stretch KC. And um, he's been uh, foolish or or smart enough, whatever you want to say, to have me on the show several times. And somehow the conversation always ends up in the 80s in the music bin somewhere between teased hair and like full on hairsprayed hair, gorilla glued hair. Right. <laughs> so, so here we are, like Skid Row, Motley Crue, Rat, Iron Maiden. It's all there. And, and so if you've never listened to us before, like, and, and you're into that stuff, you're in for a real treat. Deep cuts only. <laughs> deep, deep cuts. So one thing I do want to talk about outside of the Chiefs offensive line, somewhere where I saw a big issue in the Super Bowl was at wide receiver. Sammy Watkins was non-existent. We did not have that big playoff Sammy game. D-Rob, again, where was he? And then McCall Hardman was noticeable, but not in a good way. He keeps, and I don't want to blame this all on McCall Hardman because I think he's a great guy. I've had a chance to talk with him. Great human being, someone who wants to get better, but him and Patrick just never seem to be on the same page. I know it's unfair to him, but the receivers that were drafted after him have been thriving. Obviously, DK Metcalf comes to mind, first of all. Yeah. How much pressure is on McCall Hardman and do you think that he's even going to be on this team, say, in two years? Uh, you know, I, th- I think next year really, you know, really tells in a big way. Yeah, the, yeah I just saw like Kent Swanson, who does great work over at Arrowhead Pride. I, I mean, I, you know, I've written about this before. He, he was just tweeting about it today. That's why I brought him up. It's just going to be a common talking point in that like Brett Veach's early draft classes, like in that first draft, it's trading up for, for Breland speaks. And that like Derek naughty, who is basically a two down lineman. I think he played approximately 30% of, of snaps this year on defense. Like he's the only contributor really from that whole first rookie class. And then the next year, you know, you have Hardman like Juan Thornhill looked the part, 
early before the injury. That's not Veach's fault. It's not Thornhill's fault. That's just the way that's working. But even like Thornhill looks like really the only dependable guy we got out of that whole draft class. And and then you got to have hope for Hardman and some others there. Um, I, like I, I think Hardman's lack of development and frustrations on the field away from being a player for whom you have to script plays. Um, I think it puts pressure, not just on him, but on that whole draft class, just to wonder what, like what wasn't clicking early on in these draft classes. And, and is there a bigger problem that, that, that we'll see later on that Mahomes and other people maybe drafted by John Dorsey are covering up. I'm not answering your question. I'm, I kind of made it a little bit more meta there, but, um, I, I guess that's the storyline I think of when I think of Hardman is not just for himself, but but overall what's happening in the front office. Well, yeah, and, and that's an issue when Brett Veach seemingly has had better late round draft picks than early round draft picks. I mean, even Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I don't want to say it's already looking like a bad draft, but when you draft a running back first overall and he gets outrushed by an undrafted dude in Jacksonville, you know, that's it's not a great right. look. And it's right. nothing against Clyde. I think, again, Clyde was my favorite running back coming out of college. But when you draft someone at 32, you expect them to perform to that level. And, and he straight up didn't. When Daryl Williams is looking better than him, again, not a good look. He's got, I think, some good picks in Willie Gay Jr. I think he's he's fine. I, th- I think Lucas Nyang is going to be that guy. Legereus has been good. I think Rashad Fenton has been productive, even if Rashad Fenton – never plays another snap for Kansas City. He played in the previous Super Bowl as a six-rounder. That you can hang your hat on. Yep. I don't know if we're being too easy on Brett Veach or not. He, he's done some wizardry with the cap. He's brought in some great guys. He obviously helped bring Kansas City a, a Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years, but I think we'd be disingenuous if we would gloss over some of his early-round misses and again, wide receiver seems to be one, especially McCall Hartman, that comes to mind. Because if I'm Kansas City, you're only two guys I'm confident in going forward. Tyree Kill, and I'll say it, Byron Pringle. Those, and, and I'm not saying Byron Pringle is a number two, but right, as far as right. someone on the roster, I think he's safe. And that's it. And that's an issue. Where does Kansas City and Brett Veach go? Do they go for trades? for veteran free agents to the draft? How do they fix this hole? Yeah, I think the, I think you'll see both. I was a little surprised by the overtures um, after the season ended. Both Sammy and Brett Veach indicated that there was some level of interest in a maybe, maybe sort of could be come back together. Of course, that'd have to be in the right time for and probably a one-year deal, probably be, you know, incentive loaded, you know, um, etc. But um, you know, maybe just maybe Watkins is back again on on a deal that pays him. You know, like per game bonus, like eight games get you this much, twelve games get you this much. Um, who knows? I think depending on that though, is is not going to be the way forward. And I I just I hesitate to think that that Veach is going to do that. I one thing that I think that Brett has done really well is. When he doesn't like something, when he recognizes the need for wholesale change, he will go in and change it wholesalely. Is that a, is that an adjective? 
when I think of wholesale, I think of Costco and Costco's efficient. And I think Brett Veach is efficient, like when he got rid of Breland <laughs> Speak. So I think that works. I appreciate you saving me on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just think he's going to attack it in a way that, um, you know, that, that that's an obvious need. You don't have to reinvent it. You've got your, you've, you've got your elite targets already. You don't have, you don't need to import elite targets, but you need to import some youth that can grow potentially into that. And, um, and then you've got to just get some more depth there. So yeah, it's, it's hard for me to know. <clears throat> I'm ready to clean house, you know, like I'd love to see some new faces there, um, at, at, at both behind Travis Kelsey and, um, you know, and on the wide receiver depth chart, but is, is there a move you would love to see the chiefs make among pass catchers like out there? Is there a free agent or a trade or a draft pick? Well, sure. All the the random Allen Robinson talk sounds fantastic. I, I just <laughs> don't see how realistic that truly is. And I, I don't know. And again, I was one of the biggest Sammy Watkins supporters. I, I, I think his talent is just so tantalizing that every time you see it, you go, well, it's not his fault. He can't stay healthy. But at some point you have to say availability is part of the equation and he's just not able to stay healthy. So at some point you have to say, it doesn't matter how good this dude is. If you can't stay healthy, it's it's like a false—I don't know—not false profit, but you're just you're just sitting there going, "Come on, like we know you're good, just play." And you just can't do it. So that's it's almost more frustrating than anything. I don't know. I think the draft is the best way to do this. You have some luck hitting on these third, fourth, fifth rounders. I, I think wide receiver is one of those positions where you can get some good talent late. And again, you don't need some world beater. You don't need some some dude is going to be your number one. You know, you still have Travis Kelsey. You still have Tyree Kill. You just need someone who can be effective. Someone who can grow with Patrick, like you said, can learn the routes because obviously McCole Hardman seemingly struggled with this. And someone who can block and be efficient in that in that game. Because I do think Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson were good in that aspect. They were good team players. They were good blockers. But, you know, at, at some point you have to say, one, how much is it going to cost? Two, can you stay healthy? And three, can you do it with any sort of consistency? And I think it's been proven at this point. They haven't. They haven't been able to show the consistency that you need at that number two and number three wide receiving spot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I I, I want to back you up and and just say, you know, we saw during the Super Bowl run a healthy Sammy Watkins is the difference between the Chiefs and everyone else in the NFL offensively. I mean, when they when they have that component, it's over. It's absolutely over. And and I also don't want to write off Hardman too soon. You know, you got a guy who's still under twenty five, has two professional years in the league. He's got tops. He's got top speed that earns him a nickname of Jet. Like you know, like like I want to hold out hope there, even after a second full season. Um, so maybe just maybe there's something there, just having those guys back. But yeah, I I, I agree with you. In the draft, if you want the guy in the draft, here's what I think is key. Brett Veach is going to have six picks already. They traded last year's. They traded the sixth round pick for this year last year to get back into the draft to get Bo Peak keys. However, they're also going to have a fourth, likely a compensatory pick in the fourth, another comp pick in the fifth that gives eight draft slots to a team that really, I mean, I guess they could use them all, but I'd much rather see Veach use some of these extra picks, especially later ones 
to go up and get the guys that he wants. I mean, so like, let's say you can trade a third and a fourth and maybe even a seventh to go up from like at the bottom of the third round into the top 70, 75 to get the guy that you want and give the chiefs more quality than, than quantity. If you need just a couple positions like wide out, like, like alignment, etc. I think these comp picks may end up being a difference maker. The only thing I'll say is Brett Veach has been so good, almost better at these late round draft picks. I'm like, dude, true. Just, just trade back. Just get a whole bunch of six rounders and hit on those bad boys. But and again, I like McColl. I'm not giving up on him. And just like you said, he's the Jet. I love the band Jet, but he's making me look like a cold hard bitch because I, I predicted him to be an absolute stud, and it's not happening. So sorry, I know bad pun. It was stuck in my head. <laughs> By the way, what happened to Ricky Seals Jones? I thought Ricky Seals Jones was finally going to be the guy to give Travis Kelsey some some plays off. Somebody can go, okay, we have finally a pass first receiving tight end. And dude got what? Released, brought back, practice squatted like six times throughout the season. I have no idea where even Ricky Seals Jones is at right now. But what happened Crazy. with that? Yeah, because I, I I thought that was like the new like the new guy that you're like, okay, we have some potential here. Yep, yep. I thought it was like Dem- Demetrius Harris who who maybe wouldn't drop so many passes or something. That's what that's what I thought. I think Ricky Seals Jones played one more game last year than Ricky Lake, Ricky Martin, Ricky Schroeder. Ricky any other Lottie. Rickies you got? There, man. <laughs> Ricky Martin. Did you say Ricky Martin? LaBamba? I did. Okay. I did. Wait, is he singing La Bamba? Is that he's he uh Levita live in Levita oh, There we go. That's what we needed right there. Yeah, yeah. You're you're getting your uh your songs mixed up there. Menudo. Sorry. Do you remember I'm Menudo? So... I don't Menudo is See, this is where I'm older than you. So See, Menudo yeah, I, was I'm like twenty six. I'm just okay. a I'm, I'm a young buck over here. I'm not twenty six. I'm old enough to remember Menudo, who was I'll I'll let you look them up. They were yeah. Menudo. There you go. Anyway, hey, let me um, bring it back to the offensive line real fast because I I was making a list. I'm going to write about it this week as a preview of content to come on Arrowhead Addict. But I was so tired of left guard. I'm so tired of left guard. So tired of it. Can I say that again? One more time. I'm so tired of it. What I'm tired of is the carousel, right? And I was like, gosh, I just feel like we've seen a long cast of characters at that position. So this week I'll, I'll write about it in detail. We'll do a big retrospective, the, the crazy carousel at left guard, but just, but go with me here real fast. Here's how it goes from when Andy Reed first arrived in Kansas city in 2013, right? We're used to Eric Fisher on at left tackle. And that's basically it. Unless he's injured, right? Here's since 2013, Jeff Allen, Mike McGlynn, Ben Grubbs, Zach Fulton, Brian Witzman, Cam Irving, Andrew Wiley, Stefan Wisniewski, Parker Ehinger, Kalechi Osemele, and now Nick Allegretti. Like, all those guys are, like, they're all going to be trivia. Hey, remember that one guy, Brian Witzman? You know, and then you're going to get a prize for knowing it kind of thing. Like, the Chiefs have had basically one guy play tackle like a couple guys at right tackle and then like 
an entire Greek family at left guard. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with this. Dude, bulk me up 150 pounds and I'll stick at left guard. But I think this- I speaks- think you've played left guard. I may have. I may have played a- Yeah, I, I think I did. I think when a simile went down, I think I played like six snaps. But this speaks volumes about Eric Fisher, I think. I think Eric Fisher never gets the credit he deserves. But that's even more impressive when you realize he's had to go with so many different- partners at left guard none of them really standing out i think osimile showed something i think that's one of, that was a huge loss i liked martinez rankin i know he wasn't left guard but i like martinez rankin before the injuries and we'll see what happens there but you're right left guard has been a carousel when cam irving is one of the names that actually stands out as okay that's not a good sign that no. yeah that when the turnstile of cam irving when the hype man is there that's <sighs> it's just insane that it, to me it is that that between john dorsey and brett veach their best attempts to fill the position i think they used a fourth rounder on on parker enger i think they traded a fifth round pick for ben grubbs hoping that veteran would would fill the role i mean it's not they have not put great efforts into filling that spot which probably means it's not all that important but also I'm just, I'm like, I'm ready for a fixture there. I'm ready for a fixture. Just like my wife is, is, is ready for me to fix. I've got no analogy there. I'm going down dead end road. I'm ready for Matt, a fixture. There you go. Yeah. Just light fixtures in your house. I, I got where you were going. I, I, I appreciate the effort though. I, I appreciate it. it. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you're trying to be punny and we just, we can't hit them all out. You know, if we did, we'd be like Mike Trout or something, but instead we're more like, Alcides Escobar in 2017. So that's where we're at. <laughs> I'll 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 see that I'll see the. I was trying to turn that into a joke, to you. I can't do it. Anyway, um, hey, well, look, Sterling, what are you writing anything this week at Arrowhead Attic? I'm asking as your editor, just yeah, so I, I know if anything's coming, dude. If you're listening to this, my editor is just putting me on the spot right here. He's like, haven't heard you write anything recently. Get some, get some bleep out to me now, huh? Yeah, that's uh, basically it. I, I was going to actually potentially write about Juan Thornhill. I need to finish an article about Brett Veach, which is taking me, uh, I don't know, about a year to detail all of his trades that he's done in his entire tenure with Kansas City to see what they look like now. Ooh. So that one, the toughest one there is, is Frank Clark. That's the toughest one because – what he has done, obviously, I think helped the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. Does that outweigh the, I mean, crazy contract that he has and the failure to produce throughout most of the regular season? That one's been giving me a ton of issue. I've probably spent, I don't know, it's my editor, so I can I can say I was, I've been writer's block on this for six months. But <laughs> Frank Clark is the single most polarizing player on the Chiefs team since Andy Reid arrived. Is that right or wrong? Oh, I think 100%. I, you know what? The other one is Alex Smith. I think Alex Smith is also one of those guys that people uh, – now I think everyone's on the Alex Smith train. But there were still some people that were so upset with Alex Smith because he could not get past you know the first round of the playoffs. And that never sat right with me because I go, do you know what we had before? Alex Smith, you trying to throw at Tyler Palco? Or like Brady Quinn, like, come on, at least we're making the playoffs. And even if we're blowing massive leads to the Colts, at least we're getting to the dance. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the most polarizing non-quarterback in the Chiefs since Andy Reid arrived, Frank Clark. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, it has sure. to be. I think it has for to sure. be. Where do you stand on Frank Clark? Yeah. Um, I mean, I love him. I love his game wrecking potential. I, I think it's there. I think there's more health-wise going on than we'll ever know behind the scenes. That's my guess. I mean, I think we know some of it because it has to show up on injury reports. I just think there's a lot more going on there week to week. Dude, I know his stomach. He gets the bubble guts. I mean, he gets, it's like he's like a 19 year old in college with a hangover. Like that's what it seems like his stomach issues have been. Like, you know, when you go and you go out and if you went to Mizzou, say you ate El Rancho, we'll just throw that name out there. And you get the the nachos or the burrito. And all of a sudden the next morning, your stomach hurts. That's what Frank Clark's stomach issues keep coming up as. I, I think so. I think so. L- locally here in college, there's a place called La Bamba's and their advertisement on their, um, on the all night burrito place. It just said burritos as big as your head. So of course you go there to eat at three in the morning or whatever. Were they the really as big as your head though? Oh my gosh. They were. Yeah. You could hide a human head, like a full human head inside <laughs> the burrito. So, so yeah. It was called La Bamba's. How many socks, how many Bamba's socks could you fit in that burrito? <laughs> 16 and a shark from shark tank wow which one though like mark cuban or or mr wonderful barbara barbs babs i love her now we're talking about shark tank frank clark shark tank circled it i I brought it it all the way back around we did it that's why i'm a host we did it that sounds like a great place to shut it down my name is matt connor that's when oh, you say you're Sterling. Oh, Holmes. Am I supposed to do this? Okay, this I am Sterling Holmes. <laughs> I'm and Sterling we're Holmes. stumbling, but we're made it forward, uh, folks. This has been the AA podcast with Connor and Sterling. We'll be back again next week. And uh, yeah, if you uh, want to give us a shout out, uh, fill out uh, a review on Apple or something else, and feel free to ask us questions there. You can also find us on Twitter at. Matt Connor AA or at Homestretch KC. Otherwise, stay tuned for the finer hosts of this whole thing, Matt Verderam and Patrick Allen, who will be back later this week with more Chiefs centric co- po- uh, content for you. Not content. I almost said content. I think there it works. Pod, pod, well, it's a podcast. It, it's content. It's like content with a podcast. You right. just made a new word. I am calling up Webster's right now. T shirt. I want a content t shirt, TM. We'll see you later, folks. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.